there, everybody, and welcome to the NFL Roadshow. Midweek, week 14, during a big week in terms of the NFL news cycle, you guys. How about this turnaround to the story in San Francisco? Pretty big. Adam Schefter reporting on Tuesday that Jimmy G's season might not be over after all. He says that he will not be having foot surgery. Doctors decided that wasn't necessary after all. It's not a Liz Frank injury. And so there is a chance that he comes back, if everything goes well, in seven to eight weeks, which for context could mean that he is back for the divisional round of the playoffs. That is seven weeks from the time of his injury. So that's interesting, in my opinion, for a team that leads its division currently with an eight and four record and has the fourth highest scoring margin in the NFL at plus 92. Also interesting, San Francisco did not put in a claim for Baker Mayfield, according to the sources of a few different reporters out there. And I have to say the general idea that they're okay starting the last pick of the 2022 draft, Brock Purdy, over the first pick of the 2018 NFL draft tells you a lot about the way things have gone for Baker these last couple years. So does this. Only one team did put in a claim for him. You know that conversation Andrew Siciliano and I had on Monday went through the entire waiver order. I told you I didn't really love him for any of the teams. Andrew said that it would not stun him if the Rams grabbed him. Well, that's exactly what happened. The fourth team in terms of waiver order, though is mentioned according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, they could have been the 32nd. They still would have been able to grab him. Uh, Either way, He's a Los Angeles Ram moving forward for the rest of the season, flying to L.A. immediately with the playbook in hand and a long shot chance to play on Thursday. They've got a game on Thursday night in L.A. versus Las Vegas. I'm actually going to be there as a fan. Who knew? Two games in a three-week period. It's very unlike me. I'm getting out in the world, but I can't wait to see if he's on the field. Truly fascinating. As is, in my opinion, the reasons that L.A. might have grabbed him. So one... They don't own the rights to their first round pick. Remember, they traded that to Detroit for Stafford. So unlike some other teams with really bad records, they're not really incentivized to continue to lose in order to enhance their draft position. Like Houston at one, they don't have a quarterback, but unless they thought Baker was possibly going to be that guy for them moving forward, bringing him in and paying him $1.3 million to try and win some games and actually hurt their draft position makes absolutely no sense. The other thing for L.A. is that they don't have that many picks, period. They have a two and a three and two sixes. So there are a couple reasons they might be more willing to thoroughly examine Baker. One, the possibility that he is, in fact, better than we saw in Carolina this season in an offense where the offensive minds are not generally thought to be on the same level as McVay. Maybe Los Angeles can get more out of him, and maybe it's worth knowing that before the offseason hits. And secondly, if he does play well, and again, that's a big if, I get it, but if he plays well for them and earns a contract elsewhere in free agency, then they could get a comp pick for him. According to Jason Fitzgerald at Over the Cap, it would have to be a contract upwards of $2.5 million in order for them to get a seventh round comp pick. And obviously more than that would result in a higher pick. But again, for a team that needs picks, period, and values their coaches and for whom $1.3 million isn't that much in the larger scheme of things, it's not a stupid swing to take, in my opinion. As for the OBJ news... Still no definitive answers here as I am taping this on Tuesday evening, and I just went to the Twitter feed of my guest today to double-check that. It's Josina Anderson, who has been all over this story, and whom you will hear kind of navigating this story on this very show. She, of course, had her phone and computer out while we were talking, just in case. That's the life of an insider. And you will hear her get an update that forces her away from the conversation in order to go do her job. And we left it all in because, frankly, I thought it was a really good example of what her life is like. And that is one of the things that we talk about in great detail. We start, though, with the shocking news that came out of Tennessee on Tuesday that the Titans were parting ways with their general manager of seven years, John Robinson. Or I guess technically that's six and a half years since he won't finish this season. It's shocking that they fired him at this stage of the game, I think mostly because of timing. 
We're heading into week 14, and the Titans have a three-game lead over the Colts for the AFC South crown. They are the fourth seed in the AFC and will probably end up in that spot for the playoffs. They did drop off a lot from last year, though, when they were the number one seed. My first reaction when hearing the news was to think, are they really that different this year than last year? Because they had passing game issues last year also. They obviously were the one seed, but I think a lot of us kind of saw that as a little bit fluky and unlikely to go anywhere in the playoffs, and it didn't. But man, I looked up some stats from last season just to refresh my memory and then looked at where they were this year in those same categories, and you guys, it is a massive drop-off. They are 26th in scoring offense this season with 18.3 points a game. That's compared to the 24 points a game they scored last year, which ranked 15th in the league. They're 29th in total O right now compared to 17th last season. They're 30th in pass offense down from 24 and 15th in rush offense down from five. And obviously they've missed AJ Brown, though I think the fact that the guy that John Robinson went out to get to replace him, the fact that he got hurt kind of skews things a little bit in this conversation because we haven't really seen Traylon Burks do what they had hoped that he would do in AJ's absence, except for a couple of weeks in week 11 and week 12, when Burks was both healthy and fully acclimated in the offense. And frankly, he looked really good in those two games. In fact, in that two-week sample size, which is admittedly a very small one, but also all we have to go on, Burks ranked fifth in receiving yards in the NFL, 12th in yak yards, had a 78% catch rate, and the 10th best receiving grade, according to PFF. And obviously, AJ is really good in all of those areas, but he's also $21.5 million a year more expensive than Burks. And I might be 100% wrong, but I'm not sure I totally blame Robinson for trying to save money at the position in order to spread it around the rest of the team. I think the bigger problem is maybe that the areas he spread that money around to have not panned out. But I'm seeing a lot of AJ Brown kick their ass, and that's why he's gone. And maybe that's it, but I'm just not sure that it's as simple as that. But let's see what Josina says. We've kind of been going back and forth to find a time to set her up on the podcast to be a guest, to talk football, talk about her job. She's very busy, so it's not been easy. As you've heard me say before, though, if you've been a longtime listener of the pod, I love sports broadcasting. I love talking about it. I love the process behind it how different people do their jobs, the very different nature of some of those jobs, and certainly in her case, the many interesting layers of being a female NFL insider at the national level, at ESPN, of course, for nearly a decade, and now for CBS Sports. I had a great time having this conversation, and I hope that you enjoy listening to it. I also hope that none of it's outdated by the time you do listen to it. Let's break the huddle. Hello, oh, let's go. Two on, two on, two. Ready? Three. Josina. Yay! Girl. Well, first of all, it's nice to meet you. I've never met you before. I know. I How know. It's I nice never to... run into you because I'm just all over the place, and you're doing your thing, and I'm doing my thing. I mean, even when I was at ESPN, I was like never in the building hardly, and if when I was, it's like for a second, a few hours, do your hits, and get back on the road. So, yep. And I was the opposite, probably. Like I was mostly in studio studio. and Mm -hmm. yeah, for a while. Yeah. So uh, busy news day. And I know you've got your tweet deck up and your phone Mm. out. And and, you know, if if anything comes up, feel free. We'll hit pause here and you do your thing because I know you're a busy lady. Um, Holy, what happened with this John Robinson thing? That can't just be about football, right? Oh, the John Robinson. I mean, I mean, I think it doesn't help that it was on the backside of the Eagles playing the Titans. And, you know, A.J. Brown, former Titans wide receiver, going off for 119 receiving yards, two touchdowns. You know, my understanding is that uh, Mike Rabel didn't want him to go. Not it, Obviously, uh, John Robinson and A.J. Brown couldn't come to terms. He's going to the Eagles. He's balling. A.J. came on my show and basically said, very frankly, that he wasn't having any fun. And he thinks that Rabel is too tight and conservative with the way that he runs his practices in comparison, all the fun that he's having with Jalen and 
you know, he let us know that uh, he really has a deep relationship with Jalen and could tell that was um, nicely in contrast to Ryan Tannehill. Not that they didn't get along, but he just he basically described it and said it like it's like he could just walk over Jalen's house unannounced. So it's just a different bromance going over there, different synergy. Obviously, you know, they're leading in the NFC uh, East right now. And um, I think the other part of that is John Robinson's had a few misses. You know, when you're looking at Julio. Uh, yeah. Jones, Isaiah Wilson, and those guys. So it's just crazy. Robert Woods, it hasn't worked. I keep waiting for Vic it. Beasley in, in the XFL now. So yeah, there's that. It's interesting there's you said that. what you said about Vrabel because mm-hmm. um, you know the video of him stomping. Well, not stomping. Somebody mm-hmm. phrased it as stomping. Will Brunson. Now I can't get that mm-hmm. out of my head. But when he got up and kind of had to like take a breath when yeah. when AJ Brown was tra- uh, traded during the draft and yeah. but to hear that you know he he wasn't necessarily a huge Braves fan um is interesting context right now but Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. has been the I think one of my favorite things about this season mm-hmm. like what you said about AJ and how he's reacting to him it's mm-hmm. a it's fun to see somebody succeed when so many people questioned whether he would Right. Like there's that aspect of it that I'm always like, hell yeah, <laughs> you go show them. But it's in juicy, addition yeah. to that, he's just so like legit all of the leadership videos that are coming out. Like he's not just getting it done on the field, like he's rising to the occasion in every single way. Well, I think what it kind of really shows too, and you think about how we all are at our jobs and what we need. And, you know, football to a certain extent is a gig business. (laughs) And so is television and a lot of other professions, right? But I think at the base of that is all of us needing to feel valued. All of us needing to feel appreciated. All of us wanting to have fun and have that synergy. And I feel like a really good example or comparison with that too is Tua because he's getting that now with Mike McDaniel. And all of a sudden it's the magic of what he and and uh Daryl Bevel are doing with him at quarterbacks coach and things like that and 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 how he's flourishing. And sometimes when as you're looking at these players and whether it's the media or critics you know, Twitter thugs or who have you dumping down on the athletes. Sometimes it's not as much as about the performance declining, but things just not being on the same page or things not being happy. And so you see the difference with AJ Brown. It's not like we didn't know he's a baller before. It's just that it's really vibing right now. You know what I'm saying? And that's not, (laughs) that's not a call I need to take. So you're good. (laughs) That is not Odell. That's not moment. Odell. That's not Odell at the moment. <laughs> How much has that particular uh, situation consumed your news gathering efforts in the last few weeks? I mean, I would say it's a good portion, but I wouldn't say it's all consuming. I mean, one, I've been through this with him before, and I've been through this with a lot of athletes before. I mean, I've been covering NFL 20 years. I've done a lot of people's free agencies. I've done a lot of people's dramas, a lot of people's news and situations. And I think, you know, the thing is just to keep in touch with who, you know, you're talking to and And also as an insider, knowing when not to be all up on it either. Like people on Twitter are like, you know, what's this, what's this, that? And you can't call for everything. So you got to know kind of when to give a little bit of morsels, when to back off, but to keep your eye on the main thing, which is, you know, the decision. And it's a lot harder when everybody's trying to be on it, regardless of what rapports that you have, because there's just so many eyes and people texting and more than one person who knows what's going on. How did you end up in the lane that you're in? Cause it's a super specific lane. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people become particularly women become, mm-hmm. you know, a reporter, but to actually go that next step and be like a national insider, you're building all of these relationships. You and I both know that that can come with some weirdness. So you <laughs> clearly have figured out how to get past the weirdness and to shoot that text anyway. Oh no, maybe not all the way. No, I'm just saying, you know, there's always, you know, challenges and, in the business. And that's like a whole other conversation, which we can have if you want. But, um, you know, just to answer your question, as far as how I became an insider, I think it goes back to, I mean, I was in DC after my first job in Oregon. And I used to, I used to be a basketball insider, actually, before I was a football insider. And I had a a segment on um, 
was it KYS or PGC? I can't even remember now. One of those radio stations in DC. And I used to have this uh, segment called Scoop Center. So I, I would break a lot of basketball news back in the day when I was covering the Wizards. And then really quickly when I went to Denver, um, I think within six months of getting that job for Fox out there, I got a scoop about um, Ricky Williams uh, being out for the entire year as a running back for the Miami Dolphins, which was huge news at the time. But the way that we covered news and and insidership was way different back then. And, you know, I'm kind of aging myself here. But the point is, is that even at the time that I told the station about that news, it was just like, ah, that's not doesn't, you know, relate to Denver. We don't know if it's accurate. You know, they weren't really into it. But really quickly, my sports director did call Dan Levitard, who was working at the Miami Herald at that time, did ask him if it was true. To Levitard's credit, he did verify not only that it was true, but he wrote about it. And then it went, you know, obviously bazonkers after that. And then the next day, ESPN asked me to come on cold pizza at the time, just to show you how long ago that was. And then the next day, my station was like, oh, we're not just going to do it as this 10 second, you know, uh, forget you segment at the end of the, our sports here. You know, now they made it a bigger deal. And then that's kind of how it started, because I was like, oh, I mean, from at least from a football standpoint, because I was like, oh, you guys really like this. So from there, I broke the Larry Johnson news with the Chiefs. Herm Edwards was a coach at the time. They went out of their way to deny it for six months. And who's this girl from Denver trying to tell us our starting running back is done for the season? It ended up being true. And then it would just go from there. And I would just say the last point is, and I, also, I always tell young journalists this, especially those that want to be insiders, but just in general, two things. One is to never just focus on your geographical boundaries. Just because you work for a local station, it's not about Fox in Denver. It's not about ABC in DC. Um, whenever the uh, opposing players would come into town, I wouldn't just concentrate on the home locker room. I made even more of it because I already know them. So I made mm -hmm. even more of a focus to go in the other locker room and try to build up my Rolodex. And then that it just kind of went from there. And then as the people from Denver would get other teams and and, they, you know, it just begins to spread. And the next thing you know, you've got 10 numbers and now you got 9000 numbers. So that's how it goes. <laughs> One of the things that jumped out at me there that I feel uh, <laughs> uh, triggered by or whatever, but it jumped out at me was that your station needed confirmation that what you were bringing to the table was legit. Like they needed someone else to kind of co-sign it and say like, that's impressive before they would acknowledge like, this is impressive. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes that's kind of a little bit of the sad story is, you know, as we all go through our careers, sometimes, um, you know, it takes others validating yes. things or mm -hmm. sometimes others looking like they're appreciating it more. Um, and that's just kind of the inner workings and politics of what we all kind of have to navigate. And unfortunately, as much as it is about your skill set, you know, it is about your ability to, um, you know, maneuver politics and, and you know, what's the situation and the circumstances of, you know, every, you know, job that you're in. But you're right, that that was the case. And, and even more interesting than that is I was not the number one or the number two at that station. I was the producer, you know, reporter. So I was the number three, but, you know, it obviously didn't take long to kind of really command uh, the, the Broncos scene and the Denver sports scene. And then, you know, everything else kind of emanated from there. So. This is probably hard for you to know specifically because your situation has changed because you know more and more and more people and you have more contacts and you have had more success throughout your career. So it's hard to know how much of it is you being received differently as your career um, progresses because you've had more success in all those different things or um, how much you would be received differently as a female in this role anyway. Like have, do you have any observations about how just the space has changed in that sense? And I ask you specifically because as an insider, as we've referenced, like you are treading, you are treading a really fine line there because you're trying to create relationships mm -hmm. with people because that's the crux of the insider role, right? You're not mm -hmm. just saying this is what happened at the game today. And mm -hmm. here's what so-and-so said afterward. Like mm -hmm. that's a different gig than mm -hmm. I have a million numbers in my phone and I'm hitting them up and I'm trying to hit them up at the right time. And I'm mm -hmm. trying to hit them up in such a way that they want to give me the information mm -hmm. that's relationship driven. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how you've seen the space for females maybe expand in the time that you've been there. 
Well, the first thing I would say to the first part of what you were discussing is, you know, it's not just, you know, relationship driven, but even more specific than that, it's trust driven. And I think that, um, and, you know, be and, and credibility too. And one of the things I always felt like I focused on is not always having to get the story. Like the focus is on the longevity of the rapport and, you know, the obviously the information being accurate and having people want to come to you and have that comfort to talk to you, to know that the portion of the conversation that's off the record remains that way. And then whatever is not is not. And that your goal is not, you know, just the scoop over them or sacrificing you know, somebody at the risk of your word when it comes to something being on or off the record or being ready to report or not ready to report. And then the other aspect of your question when it comes to, you know, the female stuff, I mean, I would say, I don't know that I can say that there's been a lot of change because there's not you know, many uh, females in the insider space, but in the re- in the reporter space, you know, for sure, obviously it's become uh, way more uh, prolific in terms of the not only the amount of women, but the amount of women who were taking it more substantively and really trying to reflect that they know what they're talking about. So when people ask me over the years, uh, you know, how did you, you know, make this amount of contacts or how did you get to this or how did you get to that? And one of the things I always say is that when I come into a locker room, especially when I was younger and working in Denver and was not as known, is that for me, it was always about showing that I knew what I was talking about. Because once I cleared that hurdle and people know that that you know what you're talking about, then some of the other things immediately go away. And then after that, when you start, you know, being accurate with what you're talking about, and it takes a lot. I mean, putting your name out on the limb, you know, for something each time and doing it not only one time, not twice a year, three times a year, but, you know, hundreds of times a year and then doing it over 32 teams is 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 a lot. (laughs) What is that like? Because so I've not been in in the newsbreaker role Mm -hmm. uh, that often in my career. The few times when I have had stuff that I'm like, I'm going to push this out and I'm the first one to push this out. There's a pit in my stomach (laughs) and I get so nervous. I'm like, this better freaking be true, (laughs) right? Like, I mean, like I'm confident that I was told, you know what I mean? But I can never go back and be like, well, this is who told me. So you're just like, oh my God, I can't wait till everyone else knows that this is true because Mm -hmm. there's just a stress level involved with it, right? Like you don't want to get caught with your pants down and people are like, you're wrong. Yeah. What is it like for you? I'm sure that's changed over the years because now people just assume that you're right. Yeah. And I think that much earlier in my career, there would be a a lot more, you know, pulsating, you know, in your neck or like you describe (laughs) the pit of your stomach where you're like, oh, you know, and it's just like, and you're just like really watching over it. And then there are times that, you know, and, and and that should always be the time that you know, like you know that you know that it's correct and you're not worried about that. Some of the, you know, I guess concern at this time maybe can come over if just things evolve, you know, from the time that um, you report it. And so one thing, you know, you have enough of a repertoire now that, you know, people... Um, understand that and should know. And sometimes, look, you know, I don't hesitate to go on Twitter and let people know. (laughs) So, you know, you know, sometimes I have to come back on Twitter and let some of these folks on Twitter know. It's like, look, if I've said this for the 90 hundredth million time, if I've said this, it's because I was told and I don't report anything that's not coming from an upper echelon of an area that should be, you know, trusted. Now, what can happen is things change, you know, like, for example, uh, when I was talking about Joe Judge, originally they, you know, they they thought it was going to be the case. And then I believe Aaron Rodgers said something and it went public and it had a massive effect on, you know, just the narrative out there and it changed. And but when that did change, yes, I did get a pit in my son because I'm like, oh, now I'm like, oh, she was wrong. But what I did do just as a, one of the few instances where that can happen as an insider is I damn sure made sure I was right on the, on, on the next news. So when it was for sure that he definitely was not, you know, going to stay with the giants, then I made sure I broke that news. So now, sometimes you're not always as fortunate to happen, but you definitely try, but regardless, you know, um, whether it's 99.9% of the time or what have you, or hundred percent of the time you're doing it because you're confident and that's what you were told and the people um, and you've developed that reputation that the people are talking to you know what they're talking about. But every once in a few blue moons, either something changes or, you know, something came in and it just wasn't the case. But it's 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 rare, uh, but it can't happen because we're human and that's OK. 
how have you woven this lifestyle? Cause it's a lifestyle, right? Like with the phone constantly, I mean, you gotta be ready to go and bust out of whatever it is that you're doing in your life to go break something or chase something down. How have you woven that into your life? Well, one, I'm not like uh, Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport in terms of being on call all the time. So that's just like a, a different level of, of doing it. And I also think when you are doing it at that level that you have to have, you know, kind of um, the structure to be able, you know, to do that. And that's kind of like a, a whole different conversation. But then there's also a, a willingness to... um you know, have a different tier of that, which is kind of where I feel like I am because you're still compartmentalizing other things that you need to get done or that you're trying to accomplish, but still being mostly ready available or at least having the ability to uh, place a text on your phone and get it relatively quickly and, you know, supply whoever it is that you're working for. But, you know, for me, um, you know, even like with my show, my podcast, you have a show as I get older, sometimes I have to tell myself, you know what, like, I'm not preparing for that until tomorrow. Like everything doesn't need to be set for me the night before, you know, sometimes I'm okay with getting up early, um, and, and compartmentalizing that. And even since my departure from ESPN and going through some of the things that I described on, you know, Cam Newton's, you know, show and some of the things that went through healthwise or what have you, maybe not so much now that the football season has started, um, which I have to do better at, but I, overall, I would say I'm better at, you know, taking time for self-care me time, you know, and what do I mean by that? Whether it's yin yoga, juicing, you know, Ayurveda, trying to work out, uh, you know, trying to do uh, better at things like that, you know, just overall, as we get older and try to prioritize things, because I am mostly go, 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 and ambition, yes. ambition, ambition, ambition. Um, but I'm trying to do better at balancing stuff. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. is that it? Nope. No, <laughs> that's a team though. <laughs> Talking about John Robinson still. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just yeah. bonkers, man. Mm-hmm. I've like been looking up Traylon Burke stats today. I'm like, could yeah. it just be AJ Traylon? Like Traylon looks good anyway. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But I mean, but from that out. standpoint, even like with the notifications, I mean, you know, cause that can be, you know, a lot with the stimulation of, you know, the phone constantly going off or looking at tweet deck. And I have like, right now I've got like 15 columns open and, you know, the phone, the TV, the lights, or what have you. So, um, you know, in that sense, I am a big homebody because I just, I just like the quiet, you know, our jobs, at least for those of us who are in the field or in front of 90,000 people in the stands, a lot of noise, you know, so when I come home, you know, I, I'm a big Netflix buff. Yes. You know, it, and I, you know, I just, you know, quiet. And sometimes, sometimes Lindsay, I'll even watch the game on mute because I want to hear nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just, you know, I just want to, you know, I just don't want to hear nothing. So sometimes you have to give yourself that, 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 you know, vibration on silence on time. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, a lot of people can probably relate to that in various lines of work. Um, and maybe just it's a personality thing too, but like the whole I'm on Mm-hmm. And then I really want to not be on, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm like kind of an introvert extrovert. Mm-hmm. Like I can do this. I can be on TV. I can be big. I can have all these conversations and be super confident and extroverted, quote unquote. Then when I get home, I'm like, I, I don't want to go to that party and talk mm-hmm. to people. And mm-hmm. it just feels like work. You know what I mean? I'm exhausted. I need because I, need I feel like, Lindsay, time. we fight. I know I'm always, it's always like a competition against myself to fight for headspace. Cause I just, I want to, what I mean by that is like, I want to have the type of headspace where I'm not worrying about something that I have to get done. You see what I'm saying? And so even if I'm not necessarily working, but I'm thinking about what I have to get done and that to me, my brain is still working. So I'm always trying to like take that Jenga piece of that cartridge out. So it's just clear is, <laughs> or as clear as I can get. Yeah. How do you, how do you know what you want to chase down? Like when things happen, because I'm sure there's some things that happen that you could be like, well, I could, I don't know if that's where I want to commit my headspace. You know, I'm going to use my resources over here. So there's a couple things. One, I mean, I'm mostly going to obviously focus on the things that I can get and where I, I have the, um, the contacts, right. But I also have 
context to maybe illuminate a little bit about, you know, my Rolodex, but not too much, is that I also have contacts that can get me pretty much anybody's number. So even if I don't have the number, I can still get it. And then, so then is, do I have the time to pursue it? Um, and you know, and and then do they respond? So then that's kind of how it becomes. And, and and am I just busy at the time? So I would say other than that, that's probably the way that I uh, filter it or how much I feel like, you know, how quickly the person is going to, you know, get back to me. Um, I would say even more than that is not just responding to something out there, but it takes another level. I really have to have a good amount of time to harvest news. So not just necessarily react to news and, and get it, confirm it, or, um, you know, try to, as things are evolving and we know that that's something that we're looking for to be in that space, but it's a, a whole different thing. The, the type of scoops where you really are ahead, 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 and you've gotten something that no one was even looking in that area. And those, you know, take an even more work. And part of doing that uh, is just staying in contact with people all the time. So part of my job is just being on my phone and just talking to people, not necessarily, you know, trying to pursue a story, but just staying, you know, in contact, staying in the loop. So like, for example, this person that's, you know, talking to me now, we're, we're just, we're just talking about things going on in the NFL. And that's another way of maintaining the relationship you know, keeping it warm as far as, you know, just not placing a cold call. And then also if something, you know, comes, then it's a lot easier to ask an angle in, you know what I mean? Yeah. How many of those types of conversations are you usually throughout the day? Just, the, uh, but I mean, like day. <laughs> just all of the people constantly talking. Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, so even if I'm not on the air and I'm not on the air every day, I mean, I'm, you know, as news is happening, you know, I'm, people are asking me stuff. I'm asking them stuff. Sometimes I'm just keeping up with people's lives. I remember, you know, one thing somebody said to me when I was, you know, really starting to develop my insidership in Denver was, you know, make sure you're just reaching out just because, you know, how are you doing? You know, if I know, uh, uh, an executive or, or, you know, somebody that works or a player, you know, has something going on, or like, for example, the other day, um, you know, player lost their mom, you know, reaching out, just, just things like that. So it's not just all about give me a story, you know what I'm right. saying? And, 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 and just, you know, being a regular person. <laughs> being a regular how much, person. how much do you feel like you still need to prove yourself every time out? Not at all. Not at all. Mm-mm. I love if that. I, if, if I don't, if I don't break not one more story, I've done enough with regards to at least, you know, breaking stories or getting, um, interviews. I mean, am I, and you, you'll probably get to know me a little bit more because this is the first time you and I talking, but in, in my first year at ESPN, I mean, the alone is enough that a, a lot of people wouldn't even catch up to relative to the amount of, you know, scoops or just sit down interviews that I had. So, or, or continue to have what I, what I feel like is more challenging is for that to be recognized well, in that's, its proper yes. scope. That's really what it is. 100%. Not proving yourself is for it to be properly, you know, valued. And I am glad to just to add to that, that some of these states are adding laws where, you know, pay transparency is, is becoming, you know, required and, and things like that. So we can have a whole different and long conversation, you know, when it comes to that, especially as a female insider in comparison to, you know, my male colleagues and things like that or you know uh the industry embracing you know uh you know just the everybody who is you know uh valued to be at the table having a seat and not being afraid of that you know competition you'll see some networks have multiple insiders some just have one or what have you or some have you know this amount of reporters or that amount of reporters i mean you know i think venus williams said it best you know it's like don't be afraid to toot your horn because most people are not going to do it anyways. And it's not even about being conceited or tooting your horn, but it's about, I have to, just because I tell people this all the time, I feel like, you know, you leave your home and you've got your like equilibrium in your house. And when you leave, it's like, you got to bob and weave, you know, all of the challenges of the day. Right. And so you have to, you know, there's a scripture that talks about putting on the armor of God. I have to put on, you know, not only that, but you know, my, my confidence,
dense vertebrae so that I can do what I have to do, especially shoulder to shoulder with these types of titans in this industry, you know, with the Adam Schefter's and the Ian's or what have you. I have to have that. Um, I think even Queen Elizabeth says she has to have a, she had to have a stomach of a man to do what she had to do to reign for 45 years. And so in order to possess that and possess that confidence and be able to square up with the lens, you have to have that. <laughs> when you have in the past been put in a position where you felt like you had to fight for the recognition that you thought you deserved, that you did deserve, do you feel like you that was received well? Or do you think that your advocating for yourself hurt you in any way? So I think it just depends on who you're talking about. Uh, just like with anything, right? There's some people who are going to receive it well. There's some people, there's some people that are just going to be offended by you being, you know, I don't, there, and I don't think that's just unique to me. So I'm not, it's definitely not woe is me. And I'm not a woe is me type of person. I might, you know, elucidate how I feel about something, but not woe is me. So that's different. But, um, but yes, I mean, one, all the way down to just, you know, you can have that just by walking in a room and people, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't even have to say anything. I mean, you know, as a woman where you, if you are capable, intelligent, you know, put yourself together in a certain way, there are some people that are just bothered by it, not specifically because they're bothered by you, but if you want to get psychologically deeper, it's just by what you remind them of what they're not doing or what they didn't do or or whatever makes them feel uncomfortable, but whatever is going on in their life currently. So sometimes it doesn't even have to be about anything that you say or do. Then you get to the next level of saying or pointing out things that are fair or not fair and you know, you, you, I've had, you know, my share of that over my career, just the things that, you know, um, have transpired, whether I'm, you know, just a journalist period, or whether I'm a female or whether I'm an African-American, you know, person. So you have all levels of that, of course, over a 20 year career. And, you know, some people, you know, just even in society don't like you just, you know, uh, speaking up and some people, you know, appreciate that. And you learn those lessons over time. I mean, even from a spiritual basis, right? You, if you, whatever your faith is, but it, you know, my faith, one of the things that they say is that, you know, you have to be cognizant of, you know, sometimes doing too much and letting your battles be fought for you. And so as you get older, you try to grow that wisdom of, you know, how do I, you know, just let things on unfold and just let the injustice come to fruition as opposed to when is it time you know to be on the frontier either you know as some uh, one of the many people uh pushing you know things for everybody but then also too um you know just when is it time for yourself to just stand up and say something and i know as an insider you know one of the things that was important to me especially it's less now but it still happens in 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 the business but a lot a lot less now is attribution and making sure that you're getting, you know, your credit. And I think, you know, uh, we have the Titans in the business and it's, it's some, some of the ones that you always know that that would happen too. And, and it was important to me that um, even when I were t was to break something, and of course, now think about this, Lindsay, I'm the person that is going to recognize that more so than others because I'm breaking Sensitive. news at a higher clip. So mm -hmm. it's not that you're more of a problem, <laughs> it's that you're noticing it more because it happens to you more, but everyone's not going to take the time to think that through because they got their own things to worry about, but that's what it is. And so of course, if it's going to you know, impact me, you have to speak up to it to a certain degree because I work just as hard as everybody else and anybody else, whether it's me, whether it's you, whether it's Jane Slater, whether it's, you know, Ian Rappaport, whether it's whomever, you know, female, male, you know, trying to, you know, do this thing. And and even the local regional reporters are the ones that write for the dot-coms. Their names deserve to be on the bottom line too. So if it's yeah. one thing I feel like I accomplished that my former network was also pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, I, it's yeah. funny you say that because I literally just, one of the things you tweeted earlier today was, as NFL Network first reported. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and I'm big on, and, and here's the other thing. I'm glad that you said that, Lindsay, because it's not just about me. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I'm pretty, pretty consistent about that with giving it for others because I try to do it for others as I would want it to be done for me. So totally. that's why when you see when I tweet, uh, per Ian, per Adam, per NFL, per Teron Davenport, per Cameron Wolf, whoever it is, if I see it, I have no problem. There's so much news out here that's happening every day. I have no problem doing that. And hopefully others wouldn't have a problem doing that for me too. 
<laughs> How competitive is your space? Do you think? It's, oh, it's very, you know, uh, I, competitive. But what I think is very interesting is that what I notice among some of my colleagues is that uh, there's less of a need. And I don't know if they, and I, I would have to talk to them about this. I haven't asked, but what I do notice, like, so for example, if you're looking at Adam or Ian or some of these guys is that when they report things and they're within a minute of each other, they're not necessarily as, okay, this, this, he got it and I got it. It's kind of just now, or even Jay Glazer, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just kind of understood. And, but I feel like when, at least this is my observation, you know, when there's like a really big separation, uh, like maybe what is that three minutes, four minutes, five minutes or more, and it's obvious, sorry, that that person got it, you know, in a way that they were way, way more in front. And in our time, way in front might be three minutes or more <laughs> or whatever, or four minutes or more, or five minutes or more, then you, they're more, uh, there's more, uh, you know, putting that in there. But back in the day, like when I first got to ESPN and, and maybe in the middle of that era and, you know, there it used to be, I feel like more, you know, knocked down, you know, back and forth on social media about, this credit and that credit. You know what I mean? It still happens, but it's way, way less now. You know what I mean? Well, even outside the individuals having worked for a network, mm -hmm. I can tell you that there was encouragement to mm -hmm. report that our person reported it. Yes. Oh, I know. Rather that, that, than, yes. yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, even if our person was confirming yes. a report. Yes, that and that out. does happen there, at your yeah yeah that does happen. I know which I know who you're talking about, and you know we've <laughs> talked about that. Listen, I see a, I know every girl, please. Uh, <laughs> I, I I know, and and I don't know why they do that. Uh, oh, well, let me back up. I do know why they do that because it's all about perpetuating the brand. But I do think that that specific network has you know um, emerged so much so now. They're not where it, where it was back in the day that I don't think that that's as necessary to just not acknowledge it across the board, nor do I think it's, you know, uh, journalistically prudent. I think it's, yes. you know, whoever gets it, it and, and, I, and it's not like, oh, that's my, that's, I think most people would agree with that, but you know, that's how they go about it or, or what have you and, you know, whatever. <laughs> So a lot of big news that you're tracking for this week. Are we going to have an OBJ answer by the time this podcast comes out? Like, is this going to be dated? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think, um, I think what is the, the situation right now with the Cowboys is they're trying to figure out, you know, um, what are his specific contract demand. You know what I mean? What is it that they haven't really had the nitty gritty conversation before he got there? And then it was about what do the medicals look like? Um, and also, um, you know, after what the medicals look like, okay, you're not willing to work out what information can we get? Can we, or I shouldn't say not willing to work out, but has not worked out. So, you know, for the giants and the bills and the teams before, I don't know where his mindset is, if he's going to change that or not change that with the Cowboys doubtful, but you know, Jerry Jones is very persuasive, but you know, I don't know. But so if you're not going to do that, then, okay. So where are we from a valuation standpoint? Um, if we don't know what it all the way looks like from a physical workout standpoint, and when can you actually play and how much are you looking for? And do we feel like, remember when I reported that, yes, he is looking for a multi-year deal, but the Cowboys want it to be reasonable. So they have a subjective feeling over that what they feel like is reasonable. He does, you know, as well, they have to meet him in person and get to, you know, see him in this sense. But look, I've been covering uh, Odell since his rookie year from day one. And there is no question that his energy and his aura lifts everything and regardless of whether that is the amount of worth from a football perspective even from an energy perspective a marketing perspective tickets sold perspective you can potentially see why and i'm not putting words in his, in his mouth but you could potentially see why he would be asking for that upper tier money because all of that you know comes together and it doesn't necessarily mean all in 2022 or creative ways of, you know, doing a, um, you know, smaller base salary in 2022, doing a bigger base salary in 2023, 
you know, converting that to signing bonus so you can prorate it and all that other stuff. So there's a lot of ways that you can do contract gymnastics, not having it be guaranteed in 2024, maybe based on performances, per game roster bonuses. So there's all that. And I think those conversations to uh, a degree are being had or everything could just be, um, you know, medicals. Are you working out? Kind of get to know you, give us a little bit of an idea. And then if he does elect to leave today, although, um, depending on how the con that's what we're really looking for is, you know, is he, is he going to leave? Is Jerry Jones going to, you know, uh, mandate that he stay while you're figuring it out or, do, or do the Cowboys feel like they have enough sense of where it's going to go or not going to go that he does leave or are they okay with it? Not working out. And my understanding is, you know, as of, and I just reported this at the top of the hour that, you know, it's like, you know, it's, if it works out good if it doesn't work out okay, you know, so that's letting me know that I already know, I already knew that, especially that team, you know, um, like I said, real is looking, it has to be reasonable, but then you have, you know, people like, you know, Jerry Jones, who really caught up in the PR of it too, but also is a strong businessman. So it's really intriguing to see. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting just like everybody else to kind of see how, you know, things unfold, um, and what pressure or not, you know, pressures rather that um, Jerry Jones, you know, places on the situation. He is fascinating. And yeah. I think that the way that he has handled this story today, specifically Jerry Jones and some of the comments that Masterful. he's made. Yes. But also I wonder potentially if they could push OBJ away. And if the money is there in the contract and the team is obviously it's a good situation, but he is so uh, clearly trying to look like he's in control of the situation as opposed to OBJ picking a team. Do, well, do you read his comments say, like that at all? I The way I look at it is the way I always look at Jerry and, and have no problem with it is that, you know, he is the ultimate and he's a masterful businessman. But, and, and I said this earlier, he is just as an equal uh, masterful PR person. And so he is cognizant and hypervigilant over the narrative of what is happening today and, and the PR of that. I feel both sides are. So with having OBJ come in and do the, you know, appearance at the Mavs game with Micah Parsons and with Trayvon Diggs, that's good PR for both sides, both of their businesses, you know, yep. and then, but at the same time, knowing that there was this concern about not working out, still waiting to hear the results of the medical. He's out on that, you know, this morning, like, you know, just in case it doesn't work out, you know, I'm, I'm already, you see what I'm saying? I'm already getting ahead of it and putting that narrative out there, which is why I feel like these players need to be just as cognizant and on top of, you know, their side as well, because they are a business and entity as well as in terms of how things are going. But really to Odell's credit, I do feel like the order of the visits was masterful. If you really put your, you know, thinking cap and lean into, to that, I think it was masterful. And I, you know, my understanding is that the giants are, are, you know, willing to open up the wallet some for him. So it'll be interesting to see what the Cowboys do. And listen, the Cowboys also have to remember that they are ranked 24th in wide receiver production. You know, it's been a long time since they've won a Super Bowl championship. Only CeeDee Lamb is about like 900 plus receiving yards. Noah and Michael Gallup, I think, are each under 400. Um, so, and any anybody can go out at any time. So it never hurts to have insurance. We saw Eric Weddle come off the couch with yeah. no practice in help the Rams. We saw the difference that Odell made. So, you know, if I were, uh, you know, somebody that had to kind of speak up for it, I would say, you know, look at the tape. Yes, you have the injury after the fact, but you know, if you want any memories of what I can do, go back and go back and look at that. The first half of the Super Bowl, I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know you're really, really busy, and I want to be cautious. Oh no, you're of your fine. Time. You're do you have fine. Time for one more is, question. Yeah, no, you're. Because you I have one have more to, thing I'm that good, I because I've got my I've got my. Hold on a second. <laughs> hold on a second. Wait or not? Okay, hold on one second. One sec. So uh, what's going on now is that um, there's a report out there that the Cowboys have concerns about his physical and that he has not recovered enough from his ACL. Um, so um, 
So we'll have to see. <laughs> so I'm just kind of trying to get reaction to that. Um, that's kind of been the word since uh, this morning with regards to what you and I were just talking about um, as far as being concerned that he wasn't working out. Now, when I checked into it over an hour ago, uh, somebody wrote to me and said, um, you know, that they're, they didn't use the word concern or didn't say that they're, they had concern and that could be from any side, you know, the sources. Um, but at the same time, you know, that people are, um, very cognizant when it comes to talking about, uh, people's medicals. So, you know, hold on, let me see. Okay. Okay. All right. So you and I, uh, we're going to wrap this up in three minutes. Oh, girl, that's how it. I listen. You know, I love it. I, I keep my eye on. Uh, I'm I'm literally keeping my eye on ten things here and two things here at the same time. Um, but and that's yeah. the life. That's mm-hmm. the life of the insider. Mm-hmm. I've got plenty of time. Wait, yeah. nope, time. I don't. I don't. <laughs> now I'm out. All right, go chase the story, yeah. uh, Justine. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, uh, no, been- I appreciate you, and you know, um, I appreciate you from the standpoint of representing a, a strong female in this business, uh, being willing to have your own voice, uh, doing your own thing, um, enterprising your own thing forging and continuing to forge forward. Um, that is an inspiration to me, gives me energy as well. So thank you. And that's why I wanted to make sure, you know, I made time for, you know, this as well. And uh, anytime you want to have this conversation, more industry talk or girl talk or whatever talk, I'm happy to uh, come back on. <laughs> I love it. I would very much enjoy that. Thank you yeah. so much. You're the best. Yes. I appreciate you. All right, love. So we're going to talk soon and thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Josina. Right. Bye. Bye. Y'all silly. And just like that, she's back to the grind. Tweeting out a little bit after we finished taping that sources close to OBJ were telling her that he feels able to contribute to a playoff run this season. Obviously, a response to the concerns that had been reported while we were on air. And then Tuesday night, she tweeted that the visit had concluded. So they let him leave. Interesting development. And we'll see where it takes us in the next few days. And if you're not following her already, I suggest you doing so on Twitter for the latest on this story. It's Josina Anderson. That's her handle. You can also catch her updates on CBS HQ. And she has a podcast with Morris Chestnut. Yes, that Morris Chestnut and also Fred Smoot. It's called The Crew NYC. Big thanks to Josina for making time today. Big thanks to you for listening. If you have any feedback, I'd love to hear it. I'm at Lindsay underscore Rhodes on Twitter. Lindsay Rhodes NFL is my Instagram handle. The producer of today's show is Cliff Augustin, and the show itself is a part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. We're back on Friday with my favorite fantasy plays for week 14. If you subscribe to the pod, that'll pop up in your feed as soon as it's available Friday night. In the meantime, I hope you have a great rest of the week, and I'll see you again on Friday. Serious XM Podcasts.